to disallow this, uh, this goal in England uh, was incredible. Hello and welcome to another episode of A Bit Spursy. I'm Barney and this week, as a surprise for Dan, um, I've organised a very, very, very special guest. Um, so before we say hello to Dan, I just want to say hello to uh, Giovanni Lacelso, who is our guest on this evening's pod. He has, however, said that he won't uh, be speaking during the podcast, but he will be relaying his thoughts at a later date as part of an Instagram story. Um, so thank you very much and welcome Geo. There you go. See, so he's staying true to his promise. Uh, Dan, how you doing? I'm good, Barney, and this is amazing. I, I mean, you've—I I knew you had some sort of star power, but I didn't think you could pull to to this level. This is incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have Geo listening along, and I'm very excited to see what he says uh, on Instagram. Yeah, will will he give us epic burns? We don't know. We, we really don't know. Maybe maybe he'll say, I was not of right mind to be on the podcast. Um, <laughs> he'll come out saying, it was not my decision not to speak on the podcast. That was incororrect. Yeah. And yeah. then we get in a whole media storm of our own. Exactly. Exactly. Talking about media storms of our own, we have just created a uh, Discord channel and a Patreon, um, which you can search for if you put in a bit spursy into Google. Is that is that the best way to do it, Dan? Yeah, but it's also, uh, if you go to abitspursy.com, we've got the links up there and also right. just the links in our Twitter and uh, Instagram and everywhere. Uh, they'll link you all to the same spots. So, Fantastic. That's a much better answer than just Google it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just Google <laughs> it and hope for the best. <laughs> hope for the best. Hopefully you'll end up where we are, but if not, well, good luck, you know. Um, we have two games to cover today, Dan. We have one game full of joy, hope, um, and fighting spirit and the other... Uh, devoid of all of those things. Which one would you like to cover first? So usually, Barney, you know that I like to go in, in uh, chronological order uh, for mm-hmm. when the games happen because I find it easier that way. But I almost feel like the rawness of the Chelsea game needs to be addressed before we go back in time um, <laughs> yeah. and, and sort of relive the Leicester glory. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe we start with Chelsea today? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just, uh, yeah, bite the bullet. Yeah, let's get it over and <laughs> Um, I know first, first off the, uh, Mark, uh, on my agenda anyway, is that I stayed up for this game and Dan, uh, went to bed. Um, and you know, like obviously Dan, you know, having a young child, um, that makes sense. He needs his sleep, but also who's the true fan? Um, who's the true fan? You know, Dan also had recently had his, um, booster shot. Um, I had COVID, so you know. Let's let's see how that weighs up. Do you know what? Like, can I just jump in and can I give my a bit Spursy medal votes? I'm going to give the three, two, one to you. Thank you for being such a hero. Thank you for staying up watching the game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, contracting um... COVID mid-game. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I am. I'm. I'm giving myself negative votes. Yeah, fantastic. That's um. That's exactly what I was hoping for. I'm also going to give my three, two, one to me. <laughs> Um, so I feel that that's important and it's also a great way to get out of giving any of our players a vote because I don't know who I would be voting for. Um, but I, on that, on contracting COVID midway through the game, uh, my, I set, I did a rapid test. I was feeling a bit weird, had been a close contact, um, set the timer for 15 minutes 
as the timer went off, Ziek scored, and I looked at, down at my rapid test and saw that I was positive. So in a roundabout way or in a direct way, considering what kind of news you consume, um, Ziek gave me COVID. Yeah, I think that's that's the the most clear cut sort of correlation that we're ever going to see for absolutely for yeah. this. And I mean the timing of the timing of that Zier goal, like it really came as like a bit of a blow. See, I, I being asleep uh, at the mm. time, um, I didn't know <laughs> that you were sort of you know nervously awaiting the result of this COVID test to come. Um, mm. But oh, like it didn't feel like we were really in the game up until the point that that happened. But then when a shot like that goes in. You just know, like, all right, this is not going to be good. Um, yep. And so I'm not trying to, like, scratch for a positive here, but I am kind of surprised that it only ended up at two. Yeah. Yeah. But so am I. I I'm uh, I'm shocked that it ended up with two. I'm also shocked that looking at the XG, Chelsea only managed to get 1.1 and we got something dismal, like 0.4. But the 1.1 was, you know, I suppose they didn't have many... Um, uh, chances, but just the fact how dominant they were, you know, didn't really reflect in the goal scoring opportunities. Um, but maybe that was due to our <laughs> random formation, our four four two with Doherty playing on the on the wing. Um, maybe that that helped in some way. But well, I guess as well, uh, given that we've got like you know Doherty and Cessna on starting out wide, when we're defending, sometimes that even went back into like a back six, yeah, um, of sorts. So. We were definitely trying to stop because I think what have we conceded, like something like six goals in three games against them, so you know in the last month or so. Um, so and we hadn't scored any. So I wonder if you know Conte was going there to try and shut up shop a little bit and just hope that you know Kane Bergwijn on the counter, um, which there was a one chance which sort of resembled the Leicester chance a little bit. Where sort of Kane mm. gets it middle of the pitch, plays through Bergwijn, but the pass was just a bit overhit. Um, but I wonder if it was, yeah, really just trying to stop them scoring. Um, and then, you know, well, like realistically, like Ziyech's shot, like it's pretty, it was a pretty great strike. Um, I know a lot of people have defended Hugo for not moving there, but I'm really puzzled that like he starts moving across towards the the corner and then just stops. And I'm not saying that he could have saved it because it was like, it was one of those ones that was, it started so far out and then just bended right into, like you couldn't get more top bins if you tried. Um, but I'm just a, a little surprised that, you know, Hugo didn't sort of even just go for it at that stage. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we're so far down the rabbit hole of don't blame the goalkeeper, which generally is a good thing. But I, w I was so puzzled when this went in. I was like, how? You've moved there and it's almost like you've been like, it's going over and then not done anything and it's gone in. <laughs> um yeah, it was it was definitely frustrating. Yeah, well, I feel like if we had Galini in goal, we would have like on Twitter, Spurs fans would have absolutely lost it um, yeah. if he just sort of stopped and sort of watched it go in. So you know, this is not trying to fully blame it on Hugo, but I just I just would have expected him to at least kind of go for it. Um, but I mean, look, the biggest of, of you know, obviously the biggest talking point in this game was um, Tiago Silva's dive. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, his experience. Um, mm, mm, his, his mm -hmm. incredible experience, um, that he showed to dive. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I couldn't believe this. Like when I was seeing the, when I saw the goal, cause, cause it, when you see it in like real time, you're not really sure sort of what happens there, but when they go to the replay, 
Um, I don't know how, how your, what your reaction was, but my initial reaction was like, oh, this is a flop from Silva. They're going to have to allow that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, mine, uh, even in real time, I was like, well, that's a goal. Like, unless Kane has tripped him, which I don't think he has, that's a goal. Like, how can it not be? And then you're right. When they slow it down, you're like, okay, it's obviously a goal. Silva has thrown himself um, away from Kane. But apparently VAR was having a like a coffee break or a <laughs> cigarette break at that point um, because there was no uh, reaction at all. So, yeah, that was very frustrating. See, and this is where I think there's still there's so much um, confusion around VAR. And I, and I don't mean just from fans. I mean in terms of how it's implemented as well because my understanding is that um, – it was Paul Tierney, the ref, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, my understanding is that he gave it as a foul, then VAR reviewed it, but they didn't think it was a clear and obvious error. So therefore <laughs> they don't get involved and they go, yep, leave it as is. <laughs> Whereas it's like, it just seems that it's such a weird, it's such a weird way to to put this system in where you're like, you've got the system like, cool, we're doing this to help refs and almost police the calls a little bit and make sure they make the right ones. But also at the same time, we don't want to overrule our colleagues. And, and we still want to give them sort of power on the on the pitch to sort of make these decisions. And I just kind of feel like it's almost in a way like you've got two bosses at the moment and one now isn't wanting to like discredit the other boss in front of the rest of the workers. And it just feels really, really confusing. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think the reason why they have implemented it as clear and obvious error is so that in general play, we're not stopping every two seconds that, uh, you know, the Premier League refs, of course, they would make this many mistakes, you know, of such high quality that they are, um, that, you know, that we're not getting the stop-start game. But I think, you know, similar to the COVID rules that allowed Arsenal to get off with one case, um, it's very similar where it's like, well, <clears throat> you need to be able to make a, a like a, a, like just error. It's just error. It's error for a goal-scoring opportunity or, you know, like, rather than clear and obvious. Because, again, so many of these uh, calls are due to interpretation of the rules or what's happened, um, and it's difficult to sort of get a yes or no. As soon as you then bring in clear and obvious error, like, that in itself is completely subjective as well. So it's like you're already making it subjective before it gets implemented to make a subjective call. Um, So, yeah, I think it's ridiculous. Like, that is the first thing that needs to change. Yeah, definitely, because then it gets this weird finger-pointing thing where the the referee on the field is like, well, it's going to VAR here. Um, Mm. But it's like, no, you're still the one who's actually been in control of this. Because it's like if, if Barney, if you said to me, I think red is the best colour. And I was like, mm. you know what? I, I disagree, but I can't say that that is an obvious error from Barney there. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so it's like, why would you then be deferring the call to me on what the best color is? So like, if I just feel like we need to, like, there's got to be more of a hierarchy that's clear for these referees. And mm-hmm. if we are going to stop a game and review it from a VAR call, surely that person is, has to have the final call and needs to overrule the ref on the field. Like that's the mm. point of it because if we're looking at that and going, okay, there is just an error here. I think that is, uh, that's not a foul, then that's fine. That's what the game wants. The game doesn't care about the ref on the field's feelings of them having a call overruled. Yeah, exactly. And it's bizarre to me because it's the only sport that seems to do it. Like cricket, tennis, 
um, even AFL, whose VAR technology is like from the 1960s, there's no like uh, we need to, you know, um, uh, we need to like help the umpire or the ref feel better. It's just like, well, that was impossible for them to tell, but by the rules, it's this. Like I've never watched a game of AFL and seen or or or, cri- or cricket or tennis and seen it go to the video referee, then get overturned, and I'll be like, oh. This umpire is terrible, or this ref's terrible. It's just like, well, they there you go. <laughs> um, of course, this you know uh, medium to where they can watch it over and over again is going to be more more accurate. Like, why even pretend like you don't want to defer to the video because the the ref's call is so important? It's like, well, they're going to make errors. Isn't that the whole point? Yeah, definitely. Um- <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just weird. Like, I mean, if we're going to go down this path, like, it, like even though it does stop the game, I'm like, we'll send the ref over to their little screen for every call then. If they're mm-hmm. the ones who are in control and can overturn and go, you know what? Actually, I was kind of wrong there. I'm going to change the call there. Um, mm. Which is also weird why it seems like the 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 VAR ref sometimes like, ah, oh, maybe you want to go look at this. Mm. I don't know. But like, what's the difference between maybe you want to go look at this? Because they're still not overruling it. They're kind of going, eh, you want to go check this out? Like, yeah. what's the difference between that as opposed to like then going, oh, no, it's not a clear and obvious error. Like, it's the same thing. And so I think exactly. it's just so messy. And like thinking back to pre-VAR times, like I can't really remember referees like getting a huge, like, I mean, obviously they make a lot of mistakes, but I can't remember this as being a huge problem that VAR needed to come in and fix. Like I'm all Mm. for the goal line technology to see if the ball went over the line because I Mm. think like that is just like that's pure fact. Like there's no Mm. interpretation of anything there. Um, But I don't remember this being such a huge issue that we needed VAR to come in and improve the game and get rid of all these calls when now it seems like every single game we're getting these contentious VAR decisions that – we're talking about a lot more than we probably would have been in the past when we didn't have this. Yeah, totally. Like, I think to to fix that, it just needs to be every decision that is in the final... Well, no, every decision goes to VAR and they review it according to the rules and the interpretation and that uh, that is the final say. And there's no, like, clear and obvious error or anything like that. Like, I know <laughs> VAR has helped us out in the past. Um, maybe we wouldn't be in the Champions League final if um, if VAR wasn't in use. But also, the Champions League seems to use it much better than the Premier League. Like, the issue for me is not only... Uh, well, no, it's specifically that the Premier League has a problem with using it. Like, it seems to be fine, you know, in other competitions. Definitely. Um, but the Premier League, like, just can't get it together. It's bizarre. Yeah, and I find it really weird that, you know, when we talk about, say, offside calls and, you know, in the past it's always been like, you know, we as a in general the game we want to give the sort of benefit of the doubt to the attacker because mm. we want a game that, you know, produces goals. We want a sport that doesn't suddenly become everything shutting down. Like, that's what we want. That's what the entertainment is. That's the, like, the epic feelings which, like, send a whole stadium on their feet, which, like, send millions of people around the world jumping out of their armchairs. Um, it's those sort of moments. So what I find weird about this is that, like, you have this incident with Kane and, like, even if you think that, okay, there was a bit of a shove there, like if you took this to a court, you can go beyond, you know, prove beyond reasonable doubt and go, that is definitely a foul. 
And so mm. if you're like, oh, it's borderline, let the goal stand. Like you have mm. to go with it. Because then if you look at, um, you know, Silver's goal later in the game, <laughs> yeah. he shoves Davies away much harder than um, much harder than how Kane sort of touched him. And so if Davies flopped, that goal gets disallowed. But then again, it's like we don't yeah. want our players to flop from that. And in all honesty, like I actually don't have a problem with Thiago Silva's goal if he's sort of shoved off Davies like he did because I think that was just a battle between two players. But I have mm. no problem with that if you allow the Kane goal. Whereas mm. if you disallow the Kane goal for a push, then it's like Thiago's is borderline a red card on Davies by like comparison. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I agree with you. Like I have no issue with players um, competing to get the ball, but you can't punish one and reward the other. Um, like it just was, again, just like more inconsistency, which is so frustrating. Like I just expect it now um, when I'm watching, which definitely wasn't something I thought of before. I just expect them to get calls wrong, expect frustration at, at poor decision-making uh, impotent VAR, like it's just that has become part of the game rather than like uh, an increase in accuracy, which is the whole point. Um, yeah, I'm I'm ready. Be, be done with it. Football's over. Football game's gone. <laughs> the game is gone. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's weird, and it's like we've got ourselves into the situation where I feel like we're never ever going to see the sport go. You know what? This was not a good thing. Let's like revert. Back to, or let's really wind it back and let's only use it in very specific incidents um, mm. or something like that. Um, I just, it seems like there's just this stubbornness to hold on to like this is beneficial for the game um, because of like a few moments which stand out as being big glaring errors in the sport. Whereas now, like we're saying before, it's like it's every single game now there are errors being made in VAR. And it's like mm. when we get to the next World Cup, I'm sure there's going to be some huge like VAR calls that, um, you know, when you compare it to like people complaining in the past of like, well, what about Henri when he did the handball against Ireland to get through uh, to qualify for the World Cup or qualify for the Euros or whatever it was? And they're like, you know, those moments wouldn't happen then. It's like, cool. We're talking about like one moment out of like the mm. last, you know, a five year period where we're really getting sort of worked up on this. And um, yeah, it's just like, it's so, it's almost so frustrating now that like every single game we play and then we come on a record and like there's a VAR thing to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so infuriating. And I think, like, uh, ideally, I would just want it, like, apart from goal line, I would just not want it at all. But I feel like if that was to happen tomorrow, then every single piece of journalism about anything that happens in the game would be like, well, if only VAR was still here because that decision would have not stood. And it's like, well, no, they always stand with VAR. Yeah. Like, let's just remember that. Um, the other th so yeah, I think yeah. The other thing I was just going to say was that um, the other VAR incident was um, when Doherty was like his he sort of he didn't stamp but he like he caught Saar um, on mm. his ankle with his studs and then VAR was like possible red card for serious foul play and then it's like <laughs> yeah. they check it and then they're like no nah, not a red card and then it's like okay not a yellow <laughs> not yeah. like a foul um, and this is calling like I think if you're checking that for a red and you go that's not a red. That should be a yellow then. And I yeah. would have happily accepted Doherty getting a yellow for that because I'm like, yeah. that should be a yellow. But I don't yeah. understand why it's like, oh, no, 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 VAR isn't allowed to give yellow cards. Uh, it can mm. only give red cards. And I'm like, mm. yeah, I get it because you don't want VAR to stop and like 
give a yellow card. But if it's checking something that it thinks is a red, like it, yeah. it's almost like you've just got to go in with a really hard tackle that's dirty enough to be more than a yellow but less than a red. And then VAR is just going to keep checking it and go, well, it's not a red, so I guess you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the options are like get incinerated or we make you a nice meal. Yeah. Like it's, there's no, like there's no in between there. You're right. It should, if it's, if you're checking for red and it's not red, then it should be yellow. Like you can't, like it can't just be nothing then. It's like, if it's serious enough to be checked, a clear and obvious error, like why, why is it then not, you know, like yellow cards aren't being given. And because the rules of the prem is that like yellow cards aren't checked. And it's like, Oh, that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> check them. It makes then. it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes it's no so sense. So annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying. Um, uh, on the <laughs> we're avoiding talking about the actual game because we were we were terrible. Um, and it, again, so frustrating. Like, we've played Chelsea three times. We've lost three times. Each time, we've never even looked close to being in the game. Um, the first time, we got outplayed the second time it was like please do something different Conte he didn't we went down 1-0 Chelsea coasted this time he was like you want something different how's this and played that well like you said six at the back when when we're defending um and it was just like baffling to me like I just you know in Conte we trust but at the same time I'm like well if you're gonna play that way play skip instead of Hoybier because he's got a better forward pass um, and is more uh, dynamic uh, well, moving see, forward. Even with that, see, I saw a comment after the game from Conte, mm. which apparently was pre-game, but it just wasn't really oh. that publicised, which said something about Mora and Skip picked up minor knocks against Leicester and apparently they weren't fit enough to start. Oh. But I didn't see that until like a few days after the game. Like it, it mm. wasn't, um, it wasn't sort of well publicized as a quote. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a pretty important quote when we're talking about lineup. So maybe mm-hmm. we should get that out there. But I think that might go away to explaining like a couple of these things. But I kind of agree. Like definitely, if Skip was actually fit enough, like definitely you need to have him if you're playing a four in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Well, that takes away my argument about play Lucas at uh, right midfield because he can <laughs> track back and defend. Because if you, you know, he had a knock, then whatever. But like. We're also no Delhi, no Endombele, obviously, and no Geo, which we referenced at the top of the episode with his uh, weird absence. Um, but yeah, if you look at that bench, like from the game, it's Region who had played, you know, fairly recently, Hill, Royale, Roden, Galini, Mora, Skip, White, and Scarlet. So, really, the only two players you're bringing on you know, like to, to know that they're going to make some impact on the game is Lucas and Skip. Um, so there's no real option there. And then like, you've got Doherty on the wing, Sessegnon on the wing. And then after Paul Bergvine has his best game in a Spurs shirt, you're like, here you go. Chase shadows for, <laughs> <laughs> for an entire game. Uh, let's kill this hype. Yeah. I, I think to me personally, I thought Bergvine was actually okay. Like, oh, I, same. I think it's like, yeah, definitely it wasn't the best environment for him to build on that, like what you're saying. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's like in the last few games, there's been a lot of like tinkering from Conte, which we think has been partly to like try out players in different positions. And 
you know, really put the squad through like final tests of like, who can I actually rely on and count on to, to be my team here? And who do I want to get rid of? Who can maybe play in a position that they like, cause you've got to try players out in positions. And I, I, I don't mind that he does that, but it did feel like very much this lineup here is very, very stretched. And it's like, all right, we're really down to the bare bones of the squad <laughs> at the moment. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think when you look at it at the end of the day, like it didn't feel good watching this game because like, you know, losing to Chelsea feels horrendous. Like I would much rather us lose to Arsenal than Chelsea because like we don't need to go into it, but all that Chelsea sort of stand for and all they've done in the last like 15, 20 years and how they've changed the game. And I don't mean for the better. Um, it just means that like I hate Chelsea so much more than any other team. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like, I, I, I suppose it's helped by Arsenal sort of being on this downward slide and and being sort of this like very anonymous club where you don't really know what they're going to get and they've made a lot of bad decisions. It's kind of like well, whatever. But Chelsea is this constant where they get out of their own trouble because they have lots of money um, and they uh, are just inf- like, they're just infuriating. They make me so angry. Um, yeah. I, I can't, I can't stand like the fact that they bought Werner for 50 million as a striker and then it didn't work. And then they were like, oh, well next season we'll just buy Lukaku. Like what? <laughs> oh, it's, it's insane. I, I think there was, um, I saw a tweet on Twitter, which I was like, yeah, I, 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 I sort of I vibe with this and it was along the lines of, um, you know, I hate Arsenal because I'm a Spurs fan, but I hate Chelsea because I'm a human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, exactly. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I, exactly. I feel the same way about that. So yeah, it, it really doesn't feel good. Like, so having said all that about this game, like when we do think about it, like we were without quite a few first team players here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've been without Romero for a long time um, yep. and you know, our best defender, like <laughs> clearly. Um, Son, who, and we've spoken on this podcast like a bunch of times in the past and like I've always sort of had the thought that, you know, we seem to survive a bit when we don't have Kane, but when we don't have Son, that's where we seem to like struggle a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I think because it's like Kane, especially how he's been dropping back and like, you know, I know he's trying to get a bit more forward now and probably, you know, Conte sort of like whipping him to get to, to sort of, you know, get him playing higher up the pitch. But like Son has enabled us to stretch teams a lot in the past. And I think, you know, we're really sort of like struggling a bit with his absence. Um, mm. So you take those two out. You say like Skip if he does have a knock. Um, you know, I think Skip is like, you know, first on the team sheet in midfield for me at the moment. Mm. Um, so like not trying to just make excuses here, but like we are without a, like – some really crucial players for us. Um, and so I'm not kind of like, you know, end of the world, oh, let's, you know, s- storm the club and, you know, burn down everything after this result. But I'm just like, yeah, you know, it, it really did suck to lose. But, you know, season is not over. It's not like sort of panic time or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, I went in being like, we're going to lose and, uh, we did, and my feeling at the end of the game was the same as at the start, although I think I'm probably more frustrated with the lack of transfers than you are. Um, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> let's, let's do uh, yeah. the... the um, any closing remarks on, on Chelsea before we... Well, I think probably the other things that we 
you know, probably need to comment on is like there were a few lighters thrown at Rudiger mm. by apparently by Spurs fans. And I yeah, think it's right. like, that's just not good. Um, yeah. And I, I just kind of feel like, you know, if we're going to complain about incidents in the game, like the Kane incident and the and that sort of stuff, like we need to acknowledge the other things that happen in the game too. Um, mm. And yeah, I don't think that throwing lighters is like, that's a, you know, sort of indicative of how all Spurs fans feel about Rudiger. It's just some like basically some shitty people um, mm. who just happen to be Spurs fans as well. Um, but they're people we don't want. <laughs> we don't want in our <laughs> fan base. We don't, you know, approve that behavior. Like, um, you know, it's pretty horrible. Yeah. Um, and 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 also, like, I know this is a, a sort of a much bigger point, but um, uh, Chelsea's admin tweeting throughout the game. <laughs> like, which has but, just been blown. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen it covered anywhere by any sort of, like, um, any news sources at all. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think... You know, it was up and then they deleted it pretty quickly because of the, like, optics on how it looked, which if anyone didn't see the tweet, it was something like, uh, gas is on, um, like, let's get the fire burning or, or the something like that. But it was just like, for a club that's so well tied uh, with the Jewish community, it was just such poor taste to the point of like, is this, did they do this on purpose? Like, this is horrendous. Not to mention that they're... Uh, their owner is of the Jewish faith. Like, that seems to be something that Chelsea fans forget when they go around carrying on like Nazis. Um, but, yeah, shocking. But the other thing with the Rudiger, uh, the lighters, like, no one should be throwing anything. But having watched the Everton game uh, the night before where, um, and now I can't remember who it was that got hit by, well, Maddie Cash and someone else got hit by bottles oh, wow. um, when they were celebrating. And there was no sort of ramification at all. Like it was just like the game kept on going. Um, and then eventually it was like, well, someone actually did get arrested, but it was, it hasn't been reported very widely. And like, there was no, there was no um, punishment that, that was publicly seen or, or promoted. So then of course you're going to have more games this weekend where people throw stuff um, because that, that is encouragement. Um but yeah, just awful. Like he's, you know, like we can all be mad about the the Son incident, but like he's a, a brilliant player and a, such one of the best defenders in the world, let alone the Premier League. Um, and you know we can get frustrated at that, but that's the whole point of a good defender. Like, um, yeah, it's really gross. I think it's also like Rudy is a player who, <clears throat> like pains me to say it, as he's a Chelsea player, but. You know, he's, he's kind of entertaining to watch as well because, like, he's very animated um, mm. and he's sort of, like, like you don't want to just, you know, reduce players to, like, oh, he puts in and he gets – but, like, you can see he's, like, he's he really gets invested in the games and it's, like, it's a player that if – I know we'd been linked to him in the past um, and, you know, I would have loved <laughs> to have mm. um, to have gotten him. So I think it's, like, you know, just at times like this, we need to put, like, club allegiances aside and, like, make some, you know, firmer statements around this stuff that, you know, it's kind of, like, not acceptable um, to be doing this regardless of, like, oh, well, he, yeah, two years ago he got son sent off um, for a thing. It's, like, yeah, that's fine. Like, it's ages ago. Like, it's fine. Let's move on. Don't need to boo him every time he gets a ball. It, like, it's, like, it's, like, stop, like, holding on to that and, like, you know, giving these – players as well this like negative power over us of like um you know like we need to sort of seek revenge somehow by like yeah. you know throwing something at them like it's it's so childish and ridiculous
Yeah, yeah. Oh, the last thing I want to bring up about this game is Tanganga is continuously getting picked and continuously having really poor games. Um, and for like, for his sake, I'm like, can we loan him out or can he not? When Romero comes back, can he play? I don't know when, but not when I'm watching. Like, because I'm such a fan of him and watching him put in these performances, it's just awful. Like, uh, it's really painful to watch. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk a bit more in depth about transfers later on, but like, mm. I agree that like, you know, Tanganga is someone who is just primed to go out on loan. Um, and yeah, he just needs sort of some more experience so that, you know, he can make the mistakes that he's making, just not for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which is the exactly. point of loans. It's why we loan yeah. players so they can go yeah. and screw up somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And then they come back to us where they've like, you know, gotten rid of a lot of their mistakes. Um, and they're a bit more consistent. Like that's, mm. if we, you know, if we're honest about what loans are, that's the only reason they're there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's, that is the point. It's like they go and, yeah, make all their errors away from, away from the club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on games, uh, the, on a game rather that um, didn't have errors, only triumphs, uh, the Leicester game was uh, so much fun. Uh, would I take it again when we could just win, you know, like 2-0 in the first half and that was it? I don't know. Um, but, you know, as an experience, unbelievable. Like it was it was unbelievable. Yeah. And I think that this is the, you know, the resilience shown in that performance was something that we hadn't seen for a very long time. Mm. Um, and I'd say probably not really. Well, I mean, obviously like, you know, Amsterdam is the big sort mm. of one that comes out, but... Um, you know, there was a period sort of like early potch as well, where it's like, even if we went down early in games, we'd, we'd be like, you know what, we're fine. We're going to come back in the second half and we'll, we'll come over the top and we'll score. And for many games we did. And like, I think there was a season or two there where, you know, we like recovered the most points from losing positions, like by a long stretch. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting this game because, you know, we had about 705 shots, um, on target or, or like, you know, taken and quite a few on target. I think it was actually like 27 on target, no, 27 shots in total. And like I don't know, half of those on target or something like that. And Lester maybe had like 10 or something. Mm. And mm -hmm. this felt for a while, like when I was watching it, admittedly, I, I thought this is going to be one of those games where we've peppered their goal, but they've scored on a couple of breaks and we're just like, not going to, we're not going to get back over. Um, mm. And even until like the 85th minute, I almost turned it off um, <laughs> because I was like, ah, 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 you know, so frustrating watching that mm. sort of happen. Um, but I mean, yeah, to like to come over the top in the sort of the fashion that we did um, and especially like with the drama around like Soyuncu and how he like, you know, <laughs> got up in Bergwijn's face when he went over and then, you know, Bergwijn, you don't mess with Bergwijn. Uh, he gets up, pushes him back, and then Soyuncu drops to the ground and clutches his face. And he's just like, oh. you are a little scum rat. Um, <laughs> and then for Bergwijn to score the final goal, uh, you know, breezing, breezing past him and like having Soyuncu just in the net, just like screaming, it was just so poetically beautiful. Oh, it was unbelievable. Like, I think I saw one of the, I think it was one of the Wheeler Dealer radio guys on Twitter describe Soyuncu as fat Legolas. And I just think that is uh, just as much as it's just not <laughs> accurate, just a hilarious way to <laughs> to think about um, him. But yeah, I mean, I felt the same. I was like, we're just going to like 
can you know it's going to be one of those games like we've had against like Newcastle before where Tim Krul puts in the greatest uh goalkeeping game of his entire career saves everything they get some stupid like due to an error goal and we just can't seem to uh equalize alone go ahead but it happened eventually it happened eventually and and you're right we had 27 shots 10 on target they had 14 and 4 on target the xg for this game uh tottenham 4.9 uh leicester 1.7 so you know it gives uh, it gives me hope that you know after the first half i remember whoever was commentating was going on about how spurs could have um you know three or four or five by this point and it really, really did feel like that. It was like, how, how are we in this position? Um, only, only Tottenham could be in this position. <laughs> uh, uh, definitely. Yeah. And, and it was like, I remember watching the game and thinking, you know, I thought this is Kane's best performance in a very, very long time. Like this, mm. I think, is the first time since the whole saga through the summer where I've seen Kane in a game and gone, hang on, he actually looks kind of fit, kind of sharp. Um, and he looks to be sort of sniffing about. Mm. Um, and so that was like a bright spark, but it looked like it was going to be like, okay, cool, that's a bright spark from a game that we lose or we should have won, but results will sort of keep coming. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting. Like I, I think that, you know, Leicester had a few injuries as well. Um, but, I mean, it was just it was just such a great game. And I think that the fact as well that, you know, we were playing with like Davies, Sanchez, and Tanganga at the back. So, again, we're not playing with our preferred um you know, at the moment, like Davies would be in there, but you'd have mm. definitely have Dyer and Romero in there mm. as well. And if you have those two instead of say Sanchez in the middle and Tanganga, then I don't know if we concede the two goals that we did. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like with that defense, I'm not so comfortable, and I think we can get we can get picked off on the break. Mm. Um, and but yeah, it was it was. I'm kind of like lost words because it was just like it. There was it felt like such an exciting game that there wasn't really. I think there wasn't really that much time to like really sort of pick apart players for doing the wrong thing. Like overall, we're pretty good, and like I think like Doherty was pretty good when he came on as well. Yeah, 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 he was, and I thought that all. I mean, obviously, Bergvine was great, but I thought Geo was good too, and and this was my uh, start of. Uh, the start of me believing that it might be the Geosance where he comes back into the team. He seems like a player that Conte would like, you know, obviously we'll get to later. That's not the case, but yeah, it was, it was incredible. And uh, th- the funny thing is that it's, it's amazing and it's such a, a great feeling watching. And it's probably why, you know, we watch sport is watching this game, especially as we move towards the end. I had, when I could have been wrong, but I had this feeling that it was some, like, I was like, I think, like, it looks like we can score. It looks like we can... I didn't think we'd win, but I was like, we're going to equalise. I think we're going to, you know. And um, to have it happen like that was just, like, total magic. And you're right about Kane. Like, best game in a long time. And I also thought his celebrations with the away fans was so interesting because it felt like the, like, Kane wants to stay uh, new contract campaign like where, you know, he's celebrating and making such a big deal. And then he's in the interview with Steven Bergvine after the game as well. It's like, obviously Steven Bergvine is the <laughs> man of the match. Why are you even there? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's the first time that we, 
maybe it's the first time we really did see Kane properly celebrate and mm. sort of, you know, show what it is. Like that's it felt like Kane of old in just how he mm. behaved and how he was acting. Um, yeah. Then it could have just been the adrenaline from just playing a game and how it went, but mm. it seemed like it was a little bit more than that. Um, and yeah, I think Hoiberg as well. Like he, um, he's been criticised a bit in like r- recent games, um, mm. and it's just funny when you know Hoiberg has been a, a solid player overall, definitely an overworked player for us. Um, mm. And it's like you know he's a he's a really solid player in our team. Like. Mm. You wouldn't call him like, you know, a world-class top, top level midfielder, but Mm. very, very crucial to like, you know, our squad. Um, Mm. And, you know, he did such a good job in like passing, just slotting it through to Kane, who then played in Bergwijn. Like that goal just looked so automated and beautiful. Like, Mm. and I think automation does not mean that it's like boring to watch. Like often it means that you you do get these just unbelievable moves that just look so you know, so great and smooth. Um, and then and then as well, like him pulling back Bergwijn from the crowd and stopping him getting mm. another yellow. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, like, again, not that widely reported, but you see him, if you watch the replay, diving and grabbing Bergwijn because he knows that if he goes into the crowd, he's going to get another yellow. And it's just like, this guy, like, <laughs> doesn't deserve the weird criticism he's been getting online. Like, he's... Exactly as you said, like he's not this world 11 uh, defensive midfielder, but he's very solid and he can do, you know, like do a job. Like he's the definition <laughs> of do a job. Um, like uh, he, to me, like has been a great signing and I just am like so shocked. I mean, I'm biased because I think he's great, but like so shocked that, uh, he's received the kind of criticism that he has. Like, it, it, to me, it seems so unwarranted. Yeah. Um, I almost think yeah. that as like Spurs fans, sometimes we think that our players need to do everything at all times. Mm. Um, mm. Whereas, you know, you look at how these other clubs and like, you know, let's use Chelsea as an example here. <laughs> um, very, very different because obviously, you know, the the wealth and like we disagree with all that. Um, but they get to a level where, you know, they can have like Kante on the bench. And they can then bring him on and completely change a game against us. I'm talking about the one um, earlier on in the season where mm. it's like we had a pretty good first half. They switch it up. Kante comes on. Uh, game over. Destroyed. Um, mm. So I'm not saying that like that's to aspire to, but what I'm saying is like aspiring to the point where we do have a couple more players where we can actually rotate and rest players and then they don't have to play every game 90 minutes. They are mm. able to sort of, you know, play pretty regularly, but then also have some games where they are rested and then maybe they do come on, have a bit of an impact, and that's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also think that should have been the way that we play, you know, should have played with Kane for a very, very long time. Even back in Potch's time where Kane was like undroppable Um, and it's like, you know, Kane is playing 90 minutes every single game because he just wants the goals. He's never getting subbed off and winning, all that sort of stuff. And it's like we definitely need to, because I guess this leads towards, you know, sort of the transfers that we definitely need a few more bodies in there where we can start rotating through the squad a bit more. And, you know, the fixture list is, is just only getting more and more congested. Um, but we just do need players who, who can come in and they just need to be able to do a role. They don't have to be these world-class, um, you know, um, you know, second coming of Zidane um, sort of <laughs> players here. They just need to be able to come in and do a role within a system um, mm. allowing us to have a bit more active rotation. 
Yeah, exactly. We just need, yeah, exactly what you said. Like someone to come in and be able to play, which is what uh, City and Liverpool have done so well in with their like plug and play. Obviously, Liverpool to a lesser extent, but City have two first teams that probably are going to finish, you know, at least in the top six. You know, like you know, they're obviously their their first team is is top, but like we just need someone like they've got where it's like a plug and play thing where it's like, well, this is how we play, and we have backups for this role in our team, and if you take this player out of this particular setup, maybe they won't be as good, but in this setup they are fantastic, mm. which is great for us because what it means is we can you know, bring in uh, backup players, have them perform really well in this system and then sell them to, uh, you know, rivals within the Premier League knowing that they won't be able to do the role that <laughs> that team wants and the, then they'll bottom out. We've made a profit on them and, like, it's just win-win. And so I hope that we get closer to that kind of uh, plug-and-play-esque uh, methodology the more the Conte's there. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where it comes into, you know, what type of manager we have. And, you know, if you've got a Harry Redknapp, um, you know, who was famously kind of just more like, oh, just go out and play, lads. Um, yeah. Like, you know, then it's, you know, Harry Redknapp would probably get a lot more out of Ndombele, um than mm. other managers would. Whereas you get like a Conte who has a very sort of, you know, specific system he wants to play. And like when you watch him on the sidelines, which I kind of love watching at the moment, even when the team is passing the ball around our, like, you know, um, our back line. Like we're sort of crossing from like, you know, some fullback into center back into center back across. Like you see Conte pointing and shouting where the next pass needs to go. So he's kind of mm. like here, now here, now here, now back there. <laughs> and he just does it constantly the whole game. So it's like, if you've got a, play a manager like that, who is wanting to sort of have that control, that's like, we don't need, um, sort of these, you know, incredible individualistic players who are known for just like sparks of brilliance and genius and, you know, are going to cost like a hundred million. Like we don't need those players if we're actually going to back Conte. So this mm. whole idea of like back Conte, you know, go big, buy these superstars. It's like, we don't actually need that. We need the players who can fill the position that he wants and they might do one or two things exceptionally and then they mm. might have other flaws in their game. But if he's like, cool, I can see that player being very, very good for me at left centre back for this reason or in midfield or whatever, like then I think that's how we're actually really going to back Conte by getting just, you know, players in, not just purely going for like superstar signings. Mm, yeah, totally. Like w w this is our opportunity to do the we can buy this player from Ligue 1 knowing you would think that we would have hopefully a good sports science and statistics <laughs> but who knows with Tottenham? Um, uh, what am I? Hub center group um, of people that are able to be like this person is uh, the probability of this person fitting into this system really well is high. Um, so let's get them versus the you know more expensive overhyped option. Um, I just want to talk briefly before we go into who we're going to buy in terms of who we're going to sell, like. It is very interesting that, uh, you know, obviously Ndombele we're trying to get rid of and then no Delhi in the squad against uh, Chelsea and no Gio who then 
posted. Gee, I know. Hi, you're still here. I know. Um, uh, uh, posted on his Instagram saying that I'm I'm fit and blah 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 blah. And then Conte in his press conference says um, something like, uh, "It was like that's for the club or whatever to decide." Like I, it was so surprising to me because I just figured with Lacelso that. Um, he would be a great Conte player. But mind you, you made a very good point to me the other day, Dan, which I'll let you uh, <laughs> speak on as to not quote you, seeming as you're here. What was this In about Geo? About Geo and why he was left out, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think it was just like overlook. Like, sorry, looking at, you know, the, since he's joined Spurs, like how much he's actually played for us in this time, how much he's been injured. Um, and... Like I think in all since he's been at Spurs now, so for a couple of years, um, he's only started twenty eight games. He's subbed on in twenty seven games. He's been an unused sub in ten games, and he's been left out of the squad for four games. Games mm. he's missed through injury twenty nine games. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So he's missed more games through injury than what he's started. And I just kind of feel like you know, where, where, this this whole like narrative about like you know Geo's using Spurs as a gym like I don't think it's just like that but I feel mm. that his priorities are definitely have been to make sure he's ready to go for Argentina mm-hmm. um, because he never seems to be injured for them mm. and last season I think he played something like uh, thirteen games for Argentina oh sorry last year in the, like the calendar year twenty twenty one it's like thirteen games for Argentina and sixteen games for Spurs mm. and that is not right. <laughs> Like mm. that, that shouldn't happen. Um, and you know, I was a big fan of Lacelso, but I feel now like I just think he's just, he's just there's the injuries. It's just getting too much, and we just have to sort of ship him on. And you know, you read reports and you don't really know what's right. Like some people say that you know Conte and Lacelso have had a sort of big falling out. Other people say that there are a lot of people um, around the club in general who just don't like Lacelso, mm. and they just don't feel that he's like. Um, I don't know if it's like he doesn't like seem to be fully committed to what's happening, um, but there's just definitely a, a whole bunch of mismatches there. And this whole injury thing is just getting like out of control. Mm. Um, so despite I think that underneath there there is a good player, like I'm I'm definitely ready to cut ties with him. Oh, totally. Like uh, he, there's definitely a good player there. But um, as you said, like I've seen those same reports about <laughs> – uh, people around the club just not liking him. But I also remember re- reading reports uh, when he was playing well for us that um, there was that section of people, but he's quite liked within the squad because he's just very shy and he, uh, you know, is, is once you get to know him, he actually is, you know, nice and has a good sense of humour and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, when you're out uh, – with injury for that long and then seemingly being fine to play for your national team and coming back injured all the time. I can see why it would be <laughs> frustrating for those that are at the club. And, and like, also it's like, what dude, like what, what are you, what are you doing by putting that on Instagram? Like put nothing, but you still wanted yeah. to make a post about it. It's very, very clear that, you know, you're sending a signal to be like, I was left out, but I'm fine. Um, either to be like, come by me, or I don't. I mean, I don't know. Well, it just seems like there's been, like, from him, from Conte going, you know, this is for the club to decide, and the Celso being, hey everyone, I'm fine to play. Mm. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me as well if you know, Lo Celso has 
kind of said to the club like, oh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to the uh, internationals for Argentina in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> and the club like, no, you're not. You're absolutely not because you've just come back from injury and from you've only played like 15-minute cameos mm. um, in the games where you have come back. So there is absolutely no way that you're <laughs> yeah. going off to play for Argentina yeah. um, for the next two weeks. And then he might have gone, well, I am. And then they've gone, well, we'll see about that. We'll sell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that that was the point I, I was hoping you'd make because I agree. I feel like it was like, I'm off to Argentina, guys. I'm going to go play with Messi. I love him. Um, and then the club, yeah, have been like, no way. And he's been like, I have to go. It's my it's my country. The club like, ah, oh, we're, we're so obvious. Like, um, we'll just get rid of you then. And it's a shame, but also if that's going to continue... Uh, for the rest of the time at Spurs, if he was to stay, then uh, why not? Like, just get rid of him, <laughs> cut your losses. Sorry, sorry, Geo, but if <laughs> I think I think it's time, you know, for just for both parties that this sort of um, this sort of relationship ends. Um, mm. The thing that does kind of annoy me a little bit about this is that you know you do get just very polarized fans, some going, no, we love Gio. He's still such a great player, blah, 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 blah. And then you've got other players who are going like, told you from day one that he was rubbish. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, that's yeah. not true. Like both those sides, yeah. it's like f- there are flaws in those arguments. Like he is a great player, but he's often injured. And it's like, mm. no, you didn't know from day one. You just didn't like <laughs> him for some reason. And now you've just stuck onto that and you want to give yourself a pat on the back because you're, you know, you think you're right. But it's like there have been a number of reasons why it hasn't worked out. Yeah, I mean, that's so baffling to me that, you know, with I'm not keen on us signing Traore, but if he turns out to be a brilliant signing, like, that's what I want. I don't want him to do badly so I can be like, told Joe's a waste of money. Like, what? <laughs> like, what does that achieve at all? Well, um, he scored three goals on the weekend, but did you see the wayward pass in the 15th yeah. <laughs> minute? <laughs> exactly. Like... Just don't be welded to your beliefs. Don't make global assessments, and you're <laughs> then you don't have to stick to your guns. Like it's it's easy. Um, the the second thing is that Lacelso takes lots of weird photos with his sister on his Instagram. So I'll be pleased to be rid of that. <laughs> so obviously with Endon Ballet, like time's up. We need to get rid of him. It's over. We've talked about that before. But with uh, with Delhi, I still even though he's been through three managers now, they've all been like, nah, I still feel sad that it hasn't worked out and he's going to leave. And it sounds like that club that he's going to leave to might be Newcastle from what I've read, um, which is sad because then he joins uh, a horrible regime. But, you know, mate, if they're the only ones that will take him, <laughs> then I guess it's, uh, he's playing football. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's time for Delhi to go. But again, just for both parties, I think it's the best solution. Um, but I think to me, this raises an interesting thing where I almost feel it's like, you know, as, as fans, we are allowed to like players and still want them to move on. And we mm. are also allowed to dislike players, but still want to keep them in a certain way mm. too. So it seems like, you know, there's all this uproar of like, okay, oh, we like Delhi as a person, um, or mm. we like him because we remember how he played a few seasons ago. So therefore the idea of selling him, absolutely not. There's no way we can do it. Impossible. Mm. Um, and another, you know, other examples of that are like, you know, Vertonghen and Toby, like we didn't dislike them when they left, but <laughs> yeah. it was time for them to go. Like they were slowing down a lot. 
Mm. Um, and yeah, they're doing they're doing well at the moment for where they are playing, but also they're just you know it was too slow for the um, you know to keep playing the Premier League, and they were getting caught out for pace. Mm. But it's fine. It's we can go cool. We actually really like this player now. They've gone. That's great. That's a good move. Like Lamella, you don't have to hate Lamella and go. Yeah, he's gone. I hate him. It's like no, great. <laughs> we like Lamella for a part, but it was time to move on. Mm. Um, so I think it's like we can have these like kind of happy breakups with players and go like we don't all have to turn on Delhi and start, you know, getting stuck into him for like oh he was being so rubbish for this long and he was doing yeah. all this and no he actually sucks he's so bad because it's kind of like if we're doing that it's like we're putting ourselves up on this pedestal that it's like he's not good enough for us so and here are all the reasons why he sucks mm. it's like it can just be like no nah, look he hasn't progressed um and if, you know it's been a f- like you said a few managers now but you know for his career and the, the best thing for us as well is for him to find a new club and um you know means next time he comes back to the lane we can give him a clap and we can you know still be positive towards him um, <laughs> yeah. like it doesn't have to be so sort of like binary in terms of like love and hate mm, exactly i mean that the, the issue is that that doesn't feel good uh, in a lot of people's <laughs> brains uh it's just like no i need him if he's going to leave i have to hate him because then i can just separate the experience i had with him uh from now and it can't just be the same person um but yeah, I think you're totally right, and and I agree. Like it, he Delhi can leave, and I'm still going to like Delhi. Um, it's just the fact that for me, it's like he, <laughs> you know, he went away and he and he got really fit over the break and came back, and it didn't work. And I'm just like, fuck, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm not trying to sort of either like you know. Um say that those things are valid. Like, I think those feelings are very valid, like being mm. sad about it or being like, oh, it's really disappointing that it hasn't been totally fine. I mean, more of like the, ter- you know, the certain types of people who are getting stuck into him um, as, as to like, he should leave because he's so crap for these reasons, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. It's more like that yeah. stuff is just ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's insane. But you know, like when a, when a player like leaves, it's always going to be some like sort of sadness, but um, I think now for Delhi, like, you know, it's it's just clear, like, he's not going to get back to that level that he was mm. um, when he sort of first, um, you know, appeared on the scene. And at the same time, like, maybe he could if he played at, you know, in a system which perfectly caters to his position, which is kind of how Poch did set up um, mm. when he first came in. So, um, but it's just very clear that, like, we're not going to get back to a system playing where you do have this second striker who basically mm. can have very little defensive responsibility. And I remember even when Delhi was playing well, we would be like, oh, look, such a good player, but like when he scores. But when he doesn't score, he doesn't do that much in a game. Mm. <laughs> mm. But he was scoring so many goals and getting assists that it didn't matter. Um, yeah. But again, like even in that period, like the game has moved on a little bit from now, sorry, from then. Um, and um, there aren't many clubs who are, are going to play a player like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe Newcastle will. Newcastle might like well any like anyone is basically better than what Newcastle have <laughs> in a lot of their <laughs> squad right now. Yeah. Um, so in terms of avoiding like relegation and helping a team stay up, like you mm-hmm. know if Delhi's able to pull out you know uh, a, you know a, a handful of goals and assists between now and the end of the season, then mm. that is going to be beneficial um, to a team in that sort of position. Um, yep. But I think, you know, Conte's tried him in a few positions as well. And it's just, 
you know, he's one or two games he's looked he's looked good, but other games not so much. And it's fine. Like I think, you know, almost the saddest part about this is that the the Diadeli romance is kind of gone. But at the same time, we mm. haven't seen that in public for a long time either. Yeah, I think it's dead. I think it's very dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, like it's uh, a diet. Listening to his uh, his podcast where he talks about, you know, he doesn't mention Delhi once. It's all about Yan and uh, Musa and how you know they taught him how to be a professional footballer. There's no Delhi <laughs> at all. So I think that uh, I think that friendship uh, ended. Yeah, I guess maybe because you know when they both came in, two young lads. Mm. Um, they were sort of getting on well, but then, yeah, the other, the old defenders sort of took Dyer under their wing and, yeah. um, and there you go. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, look, if, if we did lose Delhi and Dombele La Celso this window, um, and replaced with some players, um, obviously, then mm. I think that's, that would be amazing business to be fair, because mm. they're three players who are not really having any impact on our team at all at the moment. So mm. for us to hold on to them to the end of the season, it feels like we've got three just gaping holes in our squad um, where we could really be using, like we were talking about earlier, some extra bodies to come in and, yeah. and, and, and do some jobs. And like, we've been linked to a lot of players and, you know, there's a lot of reports that, you know, Paratici has just got, you know, his hand in so many pots at the moment. Um, so I'm sure we are going to get some deals happening. Um, mm. which is why I'm not that fussed that we haven't seen much movement so far and we're getting towards the end of the window because, I mean, is this everyone's first transfer window? Like that's how it yeah. always happens apart from, you know, I th- I personally feel like the clubs that move early in transfer windows are usually the ones who are so desperate for any points in the next games that they're like, well, we're battling relegation. We need to get in players right now. We mm. really need to do whatever we can to try and fix this and, you know, even the next four or five games in this month could be really sort of crucial. I think those games are also crucial for like a, a team like us when we're trying to qualify for Champions League. But I also think that it's just harder to negotiate with teams because it's not easy to buy a player at the end of the day yeah. too. And then they've got to go off and find a replacement. Um, and some of these clubs as well, like they might go, oh, we've got Vlaovic. We kind of want to keep him for as many games as possible. Because mm. we're not going to replace him with someone as good as him. So if we can keep him for another four or five games, we're going to hold off on selling him until the end of the <laughs> yeah. window. Yeah. So it's always going to happen that it's just always going to be at the end of the window. We're going to make we're going to make moves. But now's the time for Paratici and Conte like that combo um, to shine, and we'll see if you know Paratici can really sort of just get in the players that Conte wants. Yeah, totally. I mean. From who we've been linked with, obviously, you are very pro-Adama. I am anti-Adama. But as we've discussed, for $20 million, who cares? Um, I'll take him. Um, we've well, also... Well, I was just going to come well, on that. I think, like, you know, we're not signing Adama to be leading the line for Spurs as, like, he is now <laughs> our main... He is now the best player in our squad. And I feel like that's where a lot of the frustration maybe comes about, that we look at Wolves where he was for a while, they're like, probably their most talented player. Uh, although, you know, you could, well, when they had Jota and stuff, you know, different. Mm. But um, like, and I think when you see Wolves have played in the past with him, not so much right now, but in the past, it's been like everything just goes through Adama and then great. If you give a, if you give the guy like the ball 50 times in a game, he's going to make mistakes and it's things yeah. aren't going to work out. But yeah. if we're using him more as like, 
you know, within the rotation of our squad and using him to really get his strengths out, but not having all the pressure of you've got to carry this team, then mm. I just think that, you know, yeah, there's a player there for 20 mil. Yeah, I agree. Like if we can capitalize, if Conte can capitalize on his strengths and it's not just like, well, fix it, Adama, <laughs> like then maybe it'll be, you know, it'll be different. But yeah, obviously uh, there are other players we've been linked to, but nothing has been as strong really as as the uh, Adama link. And I know today, and <laughs> I'm blanking on his name, the Porto winger. Um, oh, Luis Diaz. Yes, Luis Diaz. I know nothing about him. Do you? <laughs> the only thing I know about him is for playing with him on FIFA and he's pretty good. But yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. Like I know that he scored 16 goals this season uh, in the Portuguese league. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and Porto won a lot of money for him. I think his release clause is about 80 million euro, uh, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's rumors that we've offered sort of 45, 50, something like that. To which the replies are like, oh, it's Spurs being tight again. It's like, well, <laughs> 80 million is a lot to play, sorry, to pay for a player from from Portugal. And like, yeah, sure, you know, Fernandes has sort of obviously succeeded mm. um, at sort of at Man U, but there are a lot of other players who haven't, you know, <laughs> done that. So it's a lot of money. So we need to negotiate there. And, and we know too that like Porto need to sell someone because they need mm. to raise some money for like FFP. So I, I, I don't know. Like there seems to be a lot of reports that we're, 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 we're going for it, but who really knows? Like the other one is like Amrabat from um, Fiorentina. Um, mm-hmm. So a midfielder who seems to be kind of contingent on like, okay, if Ndombele or La Celso go, then we're going to sort of make a move for him. Um, I don't know enough about him. I haven't watched enough of him, but I'm like, you know, who knows? <laughs> if Paratici <laughs> and Conte want him, great. I'll yeah. back that. I'll back yep. that even if he's not this sort of, you know, exciting superstar signing that we that we sort of want. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if they want him, I'm happy to have him. The other player is uh, Wilson McKenney, who I sign every season on Wait, FIFA. Weston McKenney. I'm going to say Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Wilson. Weston, uh, no, Wilson McKenney. Um, I signed Wilson McKenney on FIFA. I don't know who this Weston McKenney is, but you know, I, if you want to make a comparison, I guess I would say that uh, I sign him every year on FIFA. Uh, he does a great job. Um, if I'm making the same buys as Paratici, that's bad. Uh, <laughs> so that makes me worried. I would love it if there was actually like a Wilson McKenney in like, you know, fourth division or something who was just rubbish. And you looked yeah. him up and you're like, why are we going for him as a midfielder? That's ridiculous. Wilson McKenney, are you serious? 15-year-old <laughs> midfielder? That's impossible. I hope. I hope that that's the thing. Yeah. Um, I think on McKenney, Again, it's like he's been playing a lot for Juventus, so I don't really know why they'd want to sell right now. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, all up on on transfers, I, I if we don't get in a couple of players, like I know there's a lot of people losing their mind right now, <laughs> but I'm still, I'm, I still have patience in this. Um, but if we don't get a couple of players in, I think that would be quite disappointing because mm-hmm. there are some very, very blatant holes, especially seeing how we've got three players who have basically been put into exile. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, because it's not even like, oh, Ndombele, La Celso, Delhi, mm, they're kind of not working out. Let's sell them at the end of the season. They can still play some games for us. They mm. are now actively. 
we are going to put Harvey White in the squad. Uh, <laughs> you know, a great young prospect, but we're going to put <laughs> a youth teamer in the squad ahead of any of you. Mm. So that's a very clear line in the sand of like, we want you gone and we're going to have to bring some players in. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for, if we get two players, I'll be happy. Um, mm-hmm. Three players, I would be ecstatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Um, I'm very much more of the ilk of just somebody at this point. Um, just somebody. Sign Nkudu back. Uh, bring, bring back uh, Kirakesh. You know, what it, um, let's see what Crouchy's up to. Yeah. What's Crouch doing? Um, let's get someone out of retirement. Yeah. I just very much want, want something to happen. Um, obviously we've done the, oh, wait, we haven't done the bits busy medal for the Leicester game. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. Yeah, we did the, yeah. the Chelsea was just a, a wipeout. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. BP. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, Oh, actually, before we get into that, one thing that mm. we must um, get onto, um, mm. you know, Arsenal add to their, you know, just scummy behaviour that Granite Xhaka now is at the centre of a betting scandal <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where uh, apparently an associate of his put 65K on a bet for him to get a yellow card against Leeds with like 10 minutes left in the game. Mm. Um, and then Jucker uh, needlessly time wasted. I think they were winning, and he needlessly <laughs> like time wasted on a free kick um, in order to get a yellow card at that moment. Yeah. Um, and oh my! If like if this gets proved that that is actually a betting scandal. Oh. Oh my God! How beautiful! <laughs> How- I hope. I hope that that's what happens. Oh my God. Yeah, it would be amazing. So we'll keep following that and we'll see what happens yeah. there. But, um, yeah, a bit spursy metal for Leicester. Um, mm. do, do, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, I'll kick it off. I mean, I feel like it's going to be pretty similar. Uh, three votes to Bergvine, uh, obviously, two votes to Kane, um, and then one vote to Pierre. Um, plus, I'm going to give my encouragement award to Pierre as well. Um, negative points, I mean... Uh, three, two, one. I'll add them together to make six. Negative for uh, uh, Seonchu, and that's that's that. <laughs> Great, easy. Yeah. Um, so I I started giving the medal votes out around the eighty fifth minute because I was like, uh-huh. oh, this is disappointing. So initially, yep. I had votes going to like Sanchez, Skip, and then maybe to Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I obviously redid them after the game. <laughs> uh, three to three to Berg. Of no explanation needed. Mm-hmm. Um, two to I gave two to Hoybier actually, because ah, um, I think well he set up one of the goals like you know in getting it to Kane and also played a role in um, in Bergwijn, um you know not getting the yellow um, mm-hmm. and I just thought overall like yeah you know get, let's get Pierre some votes again um, nice. and then one to Kane um, and he could have got he could have easily got two because you know um, goal and assist. <laughs> Probably deserves mm. it. Um, and then encouragement awards I gave to Sanchez, Skip, and also to Doherty because, you know, Doherty played his best game for Spurs. <laughs> he did. <laughs> against he did. Leicester. Yep, that's true. So, yeah, nice and sharp, a bit Spursy medal uh, for the Leicester game. And, mm. yeah, Chelsea, who cares? Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. So moving forward, now we've got a little bit of a break. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, we'll... I guess, look, the next pod will be before the next game anyway. 
um, mm-hmm. and sort of around the conclusion of the transfer window. Mm. So we will either be in a very good mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> signing a or couple a, of players or very, very salty. <laughs> yeah, very, very salty mood. Um, yeah, that'll be... We'll have Brendan on for that, won't we? Isn't that... Yeah, Brendan. Uh, Brendan uh, yeah. wants to come back on for the uh, transfer talk. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get that happening. For sure. Um, well, uh, until then... Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, as we said at the top of the pod, if you're still listening, um, we have a Patreon and uh, a Discord server, which you can access via a bitspursy.com. .au or .com? Bitspursy.com. <laughs> okay, .com. Um, I love all the uh, various links you've told people to go to. <laughs> it's like, hey, buddy, let's, yeah, let's make sure we promo like the, the, yeah, the yeah. Discord and the Patreon at the top of the show. And it's like, I don't know, go to Bing and try and find yeah. it. On, <laughs> yeah. Look it up on Google Maps, see if you can yeah. find it there. <laughs> if you just go on Google and hit I'm feeling lucky enough <laughs> times, it's going to, you, you'll end up there. Um, uh, but yeah, head to abitspursy.com uh, or any of the links on our socials will take you there as well. Brilliant. Yep. All Dan's doing. <laughs> He's done well. It's all connected, as you can tell. Uh, not my strong point. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Thanks, Gio, for being a guest on the pod. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. Uh, uh, Dan, any final remarks? Uh, no. I think everyone, let's just, you know, let's just have a little bit of patience. Let's see how this next, uh, you know, seven days uh, or so works out. And uh, I know it's very, very stressful because you want to sit there and we do the same sitting here, like refreshing, 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 hoping for a signing to come through. But, um, you know, let's not get too worked up (laughs) over our sort of, you know, frustration that a tweet hasn't been made yet. So, yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, uh, in that case, come on you Spurs and uh, see you soon. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.